I love that talking about Jesus saying he's the he's our first and our last, the beginning and the end. Um, I saw a thing this this past week. I want to say it was um, by Beth Moore, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But she says, um, "Here here are the ten reasons why I'm a Christian. Number one, Jesus. Number two, Jesus. Number three." Jesus, and she just kept going, and, and that's the truth, because that's the answer. That's why we're here, that's what we're celebrating, that's what we have to offer as the way, the truth, and the life is Jesus. So we're in part four of a series. I'm, I'm personally very sad that it's part four, because I have learned so much um, myself. It's things that... Um, for many, many years, um, I have seen improvement in my life. I have seen movement the right way. I've seen growth, but it's still things that I've struggled with all my life. And there's been, it's been just good. It's been good for me. Um, so what we're doing is we're looking at the series titled, You Think? Because it's about our thoughts. It's about what goes on inside our head. And we're looking at the mind and the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Because great progression in his life from where he started to where he ended. And so we're kind of looking, what, what made the change? How can we make that change um, because of how important the mind is? What do we know about the mind? And just to, to recap a little bit, here's what we know. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. It's not because of external things. It's not because of stuff that happens to us. It's in our heads. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. And the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. So you think the thoughts you think, nobody knows but you. And they might know what your thought, they might not know what your thoughts are, but they see how they're going to play out because your life is a reflection of those thoughts. We know that what comes into your mind comes out in your life. So are we putting the right things into our mind? We know that you cannot have a positive life if you have a negative mind. If you're critical, if you're always thinking of the negative things, if you're always going that direction, you're not going to have a positive life. We also know that if you can't control what you think, you will never control what you do because that's where it starts. So to finish up, what I want to do is I want to just kind of speak a a healing word into your mind so that you hear. um, These are some of the verses we've been going through and and I just want to look at them all at once real quick here because this this kind of wraps up what we're doing. And it's, it's what Paul said in Philippians 4. Remember, he's writing to this church. He's writing from prison. He had hoped to go to Rome to preach the gospel there. And it turned out he went to Rome, but he went to Rome in jail, um, chained up to guards who rotated every eight hours. And he got to preach the gospel, just not in the way he thought. But it spread all throughout Rome because of that. But he's writing to them from this jail. And here's what he says. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then, the peace of God. That's just a a great word. I, I love the thought of peace. You know, peace is not just the absence of war or the absence of strife, of strife. Peace in, in, in the context of the Bible is so much more than that. It mean, it's, it's the wholeness. It's, it's things the way they should be. It's, the, it's, it's God's way, and it's, it's incredible. And he says, when, when you present things to God, then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your what? Minds. 
See, it's the thought stuff we're thinking about, and the way that gets taken care of is that peace that, that transcends all our understanding, guards our hearts, and it guards our minds, very importantly, in Christ Jesus. Because remember, Jesus is the answer. That's where the power comes from. That's where we're able to do this. And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We want to be thinking about the correct things. And then he says, verse 9, he wraps it up. And this is actually an incredibly scary verse for me because I have to say this verse as part of my calling. But the truth is, you have to say this verse to those people around you and your sphere of influence too, and it's scary. He says this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. But he could say that because he allowed God to change him. He allowed God to renew his mind, and we can do the same thing. He says, and then the God of peace will be with you. And that's what we're looking for. The peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds, that wholeness from God, that peace. How many of you would say this? Sometimes you might occasionally have what I would call runaway thoughts, okay? irrational worries, you know, events that trigger fear or anxiety. Okay? Some of you, it's like, no, because raising my hand is one of those things. <laughs> so, <laughs> not going to go there. I understand what those things are. Okay, um, And I have my entire life, those runaway thoughts and, and anxieties and worries. I understand that. And if I were just going to tell you some stories, we could spend the rest of the day talking about this in my life. But I want to just relate to you one instance. Um, when I was very young, just a little squirt young school kid, you know, elementary school, grade school kind of thing, um, when I couldn't get to sleep, or if I went to bed late, I would worry because I knew myself enough to know I needed a certain amount of sleep. Now, remember, it's a little kid. I'm just a little kid. But I knew that I needed a certain amount of sleep. And so if I got to bed late or if I couldn't go to sleep, I would start worrying. And, and here's what would happen in my head. It would be like, oh, I won't be able to get up on time now. It's going to be too tough to get up on time. And then when I get there, I won't be able to concentrate in school because I'm going to be tired. There's going to be a test tomorrow. I'm going to fail the test because I didn't get enough sleep. And remember, grade school kid, I'm tell this is what would go through my head. I'm going to fail this test. I'm not going to get a good job. I'm not going to finish school. I'm not going to get a good job. I'm never going to find the right person to marry. I am never going to amount to anything. And all of a sudden, things would just be spinning out of control. And then it's like, now there's no chance of sleeping because this is happening. And I don't know about you, but for me, all that happened because I went to bed a few minutes late. And it, it, I don't know about you, I can still have, I've grown up a little bit now. If I go to bed late, that doesn't all happen, just some of that. Um, I can still have thoughts that run away. I still have that happening, and they run for me like at the speed of light, and like something will happen, and, and I'll go, whoa, where did that come from? I'm coming apart here, it seems. How did that happen so fast? So I want to talk today about worry, about worry and the mind. That's how we're going to wrap this up today. If you've been with us the past few weeks, 
you've heard this key thought over and over again. If you haven't, you can go to iloveourchurch.com and all the other three there, you can listen to them. Um, click on the sermon tab and you can listen to that. But you've heard this over and over and over again as a key thought. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That's good news if you're thinking about things that are true and lovely and admirable. And if you're thinking on God's truth, that's a good thing. But the problem is, when we're focused on things that make us afraid or make us anxious or when we think about those kinds of things, our minds tend to run in a direction that might not be pleasing to God and might not be helpful to us. Why is it that our minds often just snowball with fear? It happens and it just keeps growing and growing. Why does that happen? I'm going to try to answer that question. And we're answering it from God's word. But we've also been talking a lot about the physical part of things because um, you're all here, so you all have a brain. Um, We don't all know how to use ours, but we all have them. Um, But we've been talking about how incredibly, miraculously, God has designed our brains. So incredibly, just incredibly miraculous. In our brains, there's this little, like, it's an almond-shaped portion of the brain. Very small portion of the brain. It's actually two, but um, it's known as the amygdala. You don't even know. you. It's just in there, you, you know? Here's what happens. When you're afraid, when something happens that scares you, your amygdala gets kicked into high gear. You don't choose that. It's like, oh, I'm afraid. Amygdala, do your thing. It doesn't happen that way. It just happens. It's the part of the brain that's wired for survival. It does many other things, but it's wired for survival. It's responsible for fear, okay? So when danger happens, and because I'm, I'm a child of the, the era that I was a child of, when I hear danger, all I can see is a robot going, danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will Robinson. And some of you are like, ah, yeah, I remember that. Some of you are like, he's finally lost it. <laughs> and just in case you need to know, I think it's on Netflix. They have redone Lost in Space and you can see the new version. of Anyhow, it's not a plug for that or anything. But when I see danger, see, I'm still doing it. When I hear that, my arms just go like the robot did. And, and here's what happens. You don't think about it. But when there is danger, the amygdala kicks in and it sends your body um, like strong doses of adrenaline. You don't choose this. It just does it. Like, let me give you an example. Again, little, just small child. Probably not that. Probably more like this. Um, I had an uncle and aunt who lived uh, in that real nice house on the shores of Lake Erie. Great big long but not too wide of lot, but they had this really nice old house, kind of creepy, had a gigantic organ that actually had pipes that went from the basement to the third floor because she played the organ. Um, so because of that, there's a lot of scary things and trapdoors, but that's a whole other story. The house had a really cool porch, and the porch went on three of the four sides all the way around it. The back side didn't have it, but both of the sides and the front had this porch that wrapped around, and it was, and to this day, I love porches. You know, you go out there, it'd be raining, and you could sit in the porch swing, and it didn't bother you because you were in the rain. It was just, I just love porches. But here's what happened one day, because around the, the back side, um, the, the north side of the house, the, at the end of the porch, there was no door inside there. They were all on the other side. And there was no, no ladder, you know, stairs off of the porch. It was just kind of a dead end there. There was a water heater. 
I have no idea why there's a water heater on the porch. I think it might have even been hooked up. But as a little kid, I come around and it's like, there's a water heater. Why is there a water heater on the porch? So I'm going to investigate. So a little kid, I go up. You know, I, I, it's easier to bend down then. I bend down and, I, and I'm looking. Out from under the water heater comes a spider. God is my witness. It's as big as my hand. Not little Tim's hand. It's as big as my hand. Comes out from underneath the water heater. It's all hairy and it's looking at me. And it's like, amygdala, high gear. There's no door going in. There's, there's no stairs going off. I have one option and that's turn 180 degrees and run for all I'm worth. So I'm not thinking anything. I'm turning and getting away from the spider. I thought, it's like, you can't step on it. It's as big as your freaking foot. You grab you and suck you under the water heater. There's probably kids <laughs> under there. So I'm turning. I'm running for all I'm worth, realizing there's also no stairs where I'm running. But hey, the railing's only this high. It's me. <laughs> I can jump the railing. What did not go through my mind is there's also a ceiling. And the, the, the porch was not on the ground. It was quite a ways off the ground. None of that went through my head until I was in the air. <laughs> and in the air, I realized too high, not going to end well. Too low, not going to end well. Fortunately, I wasn't as amazing as I thought, and it was too low, and I tripped over the balcony as I went over it, and it must have been programming from all the TV shows that I watched, because I rolled. You're supposed to roll. Didn't know that, but you're supposed to roll. Got up and just didn't miss a beat, running. I'm getting as far away as I can from that spider, until I hear everybody yelling behind me, because they were on the other side of the porch. Um, it's raining. That's why I'm on the porch. Don't, don't run toward the road in the rain, Tim, you know? And I'm thinking, oh, spider, if I'm going to get hit by a car or eaten by a spider, the car is going to win. So I stopped and I didn't do that. But I tell you this, to this day, I hate spiders and I'm not too fond of water heaters. Just stay away. Or maybe you've experienced this. You're driving down the road. Maybe you're passing somebody or somebody's passing you. And you happen to look in their car as they drive by. And you look and they're doing this as they're driving. And the car is getting closer to you because they're paying attention to their tech. You don't even think about it. What do you do? You swerve. Get out of the way. Try that on a motorcycle. I can't tell you how many times I pass somebody or they pass me and they're texting, getting closer to me as they do it. You swerve out of the way. You don't even think about it. Your amygdala kicks in in this flight or fright thing and it's done because it's hardwired to protect us in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, something wakes you up. You hear it. It wakes you up. You don't know what it is. All you know is this. My eyes are now wide open. And I am never going to sleep again. My heart's going, I can see my heart in my pajamas moving like this. And you don't know what it is. You didn't choose to have all those responses. It just happens. That's what it is. Here's the problem our amygdala is not objective, 
It doesn't think through all that. It is just hardwired to protect us. God put it in there to protect us, to get us away from giant spiders coming out from underwater heaters. The amygdala needs help. And the amygdala needs help from that part of our brain that's the logical part of it, the prefrontal cortex. I'm beginning to think that there are, there's something in Washington, D.C. that shrinks the, the prefrontal cortex and the logical part of people's brains when they get there. But that's a whole other story. What happens is it, has, it, it interprets what's happening. The amygdala doesn't. It just takes care of things. And so, as an example, you hear the noise in the middle of the night, and your amygdala says, you're going to die. It's a, it's a burglar with an axe, or it's, it's, it's a monster in the closet, and you're going to die. And your prefrontal cortex, says Tim, you live in Minnesota, it's 10 below. Whenever it gets below zero, you know your house expands and contracts and creaks. It's like, oh, yeah. And then you're calm for a little bit, and then you hear the house doing its thing. See, that's the job of the prefrontal cortex, to kind of to give some information that the amygdala needs. Without that prefrontal cortex, the amygdala responds, and this is very important, it responds to pre-programming what's gone on before. So that flight or fright, that anxiety that we feel, that fear, that's from the pre-programming that we have done in our lives. And many of you, because of the way you've lived, because of the things you've thought, the things you've been through, your brain has now been pre-programmed to respond to triggers that take you in an unhealthy realm of worry and fear and anxiety. And you don't even think anymore. When it happens, your mind goes there. And it starts spiraling out of control. And it comes out in your actions and bad things happen. And when the dust settles, it's like, how did that happen again? It's because it's pre-programmed into us. You see something. You experience something, and it triggers a response that leads to that fear or that unhealthy thinking. Let's be real clear here. Jesus didn't say, let your hearts be troubled. He didn't say that. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. When the angels came that first Christmas, they didn't say, glory to God in the highest and stress and anxiety to people on earth. They didn't say that. They said glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Paul, the Apostle Paul, did not say, be anxious about everything. That's how I read it for years. He didn't say that. In our passage, starting in verse 6 of Philippians 4, he says this, do not be anxious. And what does it say? Do not be anxious about what? Okay, we're going to do that again because this is extremely important. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Now, let me ask. I know that right now some of you are thinking, every situation except this one. What about the test that you have coming up this week that's going to determine a whole bunch for you? 
Are you going to be anxious about that? Are you going to worry about that? Because that's part of the every situation. What about the job interview that's coming up? What about the, the fact that you're anxious or worried about your future spouse? Does this apply to that, even though you have like nobody on the horizon? Do you're going to worry about that? That's part of the everything. What about financial burdens? Isn't that part of the everything? What about battles with addiction? That's part of the everything. What about marriage challenges? That's p- what's not part of the everything? You know, what part of everything don't we understand? So how, when it says don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, how do we do that? He tells us in the next line. By prayer. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we present our requests to God. When we do that, then the peace of God, that peace we talked about, that's all of life, not just the absence of war, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your what? Minds. We need to think correctly because the battles are won or lost in the mind. And the peace of God that you say, I don't even understand that kind of peace. Well, obviously it says it transcends all understanding. It's not something we can just figure out. It says it will guard your hearts and your minds. And the most important three words in that passage are the last three. In Christ Jesus. Because you can't do this on your own. People who don't know Jesus, who are not in Christ, because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, they don't understand what it means to be able to not have the worry and the stress in those situations. You notice how we experience peace is through the pathway of prayer. I hear way too often, here's what I hear people say. They're in a tough situation, they've been going through for a while, and here's what they say. All we can do now is pray. I picture God looking at them saying that. Say, well, guess you're screwed then, aren't you? Because you got nothing. Prayer is not supposed to be our last resort. It's our first line of defense. I can guarantee you this. If you prayed more, you'd worry less. Guaranteed. But we don't do that. We worry first. We don't understand how powerful prayer is. It tells us, go boldly before the throne of grace. Because here's the truth. Not only does prayer change the heart of God, prayer changes the chemistry of your brain. That's part of renewing our mind. Remember, it was only a few decades ago that neurologists believed our brains didn't change after adolescence. They're set. It is what it is. We now know that's not true. It's called neuroplasticity. We know that our brains physically are continually changing. What changes them? Your thoughts. Your experiences. When you think a thought, it creates a neural pathway and it changes physically your brain. And when we think thoughts over and over and over, it creates a pathway that's easier to travel and our brains go the path of least resistance. So when you've thought something negative or critical for a long time, that's where your brain's going to go because it's easier. 
That's why it says we have to renew our minds because our, our, our thoughts are changing our brains. There's another science that's known as um, neurotheology, which theology is a study of God. It's also known as spiritual neuroscience. It's fascinating. It studies the relationship between our brains and belief in God. And here's what we know. Prayer changes your brain. After last week's service, somebody came up to me. They're all excited. And they came up to me. At first I thought they were going to tell me what an idiot I was, but they did that later. But when they came up to me, they said, do you know who Carolyn Leaf is? And it's like, no. They said, you need to know who Carolyn Leaf is. She is she's a believer. She has been, she's a doctor, neuroscience. She has been studying the brain for 30 years. She's a believer. She's written a number of books. She has some stuff on detoxing your brain. And and it's not like mumbo-jumbo. It's with God's word. It's literally exactly what we've been talking about for three weeks. She wrote a book called um, Switch on Your Brain. Here's what she says. It's a quote from Switch on Your Brain. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. It physically changes our brains. It doesn't just move the heart of God. It changes us when we pray. Just like critical, toxic, negative thoughts hurt our brain. And it And it takes something to change that again. See, prayer heals. It doesn't, it's not just for the situation you're praying about, it's for us too. It heals, it renews. When the Bible says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think, we will literally begin to transform our brains, physically even. Not just spiritually and emotionally. When we spend time the way God wants us to spend time, when we pray, when we think about the right things. So, why do we worry? Why do we panic? Why is there so much anxiety? Well, there's many reasons, but I would explain it as because we're experiencing an amygdala attack. Amygdala is hijacking everything and doing its thing. Paul, the Apostle Paul, would say the same thing. He just wouldn't use those words. He'd say, it's because your mind is dominated by sinful thinking. The pre-programming is wrong. You're thinking the wrong thing. So what is worry? I'm going to give you a definition. Some of you are going to really like. Some of you, it's going to really tick you off. Don't care. What is worry? Because it's true. Here's what worry is. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. That's what worry is. And instead of letting my sinful nature control my mind and take me in those wrong directions, I need to choose to let the Spirit renew my mind and direct my thinking. Because it changes everything when that happens. Here's how Paul said it in Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who are dominated... By the sinful nature, he's talking to Christians. 
He said, although you're a Christian, you have this going on in the background. And this first part is true about everybody who's, who's going the wrong direction. He says, you're dominated by your sinful nature. You think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. That's kind of how you can tell what direction you're going. What are you thinking about? He says this, So, letting your sinful nature control your mind, that's thinking about negative things, sinful things, you know, critical things, go in that direction. Everything we talked about in the first verses that we read. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Not just life, but life. That abundant life Jesus promised. It leads to peace. And it all starts in our minds. That's why he says, you take every thought captive. And you make it obedient to Jesus, to the truth, to the word. You capture those thoughts. You don't let those thoughts keep going. I had a professor tell me, here's how I've always thought about it. And it still means the same thing to me, even though it's a little bit irrelevant. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head. But you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. It doesn't mean quite as much to me as it used to. But we all can have the thoughts. That's not where the sin is. The sin is when we let it build a nest in our hair. I took care of that. It doesn't happen anymore. When we, when we go over those things and we ponder those things, that's when we're taking those sinful thoughts and thinking th- sinful things, bad things, um, negative things, critical things, and it leads to death. That's what we don't want. We want to take every thought captive. That means, in, in, in terms from the brain, that the prefrontal cortex grabs the amygdala by the tail or the horns, or whatever the case may be, and gives it to God. It's a choice. It's something we do. Let me give you an example. This is what some of you need to do this. Like literally and physically, some of you need to do this. Um, this is a card, just a blank card. And for old school people, you say, oh, that's a computer card. They used to punch holes in this and put it in a computer to make it do things. And it's like, I have tried for, for days, and it's just like, it does nothing. <laughs> some friends give me these, make great notepads, because every time, I, every time I see them, it's like, I love technology, and this is like the birth of this stuff. Anyhow, totally nothing to do with anything. A card, doesn't matter if it's an old computer card, or if it's a 3 by 5 card, or a piece of scrap paper, it doesn't matter. Here's what you do. You need to get yourself a box. Now, it doesn't have to be like this sweet, cool box that I have here. Um, Some of you um, won't necessarily need a box that big. You can have your sweet, cool box that's smaller, you know. But I have a feeling most of you are going to need the big box. So you get your box. It doesn't have to be cool like this. Just just a a shoebox, okay, is fine. And some of you are thinking, good, I go buy a pair of shoes. Tim told me to. (laughs) No. It just needs to have a cover, okay? Write God on it if you want. It's your God box. That's going to be your God box. So here's what's going to happen. Throughout the course of the day, something comes into your head, and what you want to do with every fiber of your being is worry about it. I'm going to have anxiety over this. I'm going to stress about it. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to take your card, and you're going to write on that the thing 
that's causing you the anxiety. The thing that you want to worry about, that you know you're not supposed to, but because it says, don't worry about anything. So I'm going to take that thing I want to worry about, I'm going to write it on this card, and I'm going to open the box, I'm going to put it in there, I'm going to close the box, and I'm going to say, God, that's yours now. That's the easy part. The hard part comes at 2 o'clock in the morning when all you can think of is that thing again. And you want to worry about it. You can feel the anxiety coming. Here's what you do. You go to your box and you say, God, you have to say this out loud. God, I don't think you can handle this. I'm taking this back because I don't think you're big enough to take care of this for me. So I'm taking it back and I'm going to worry about it. And you say, I can't say that. You do every single day. When you start to worry about the thing that you know you're not supposed to worry about. What you need to do is start to open the box and when the words come out of your mouth, God, I don't think you're big enough, you realize, well, maybe you are. (laughs) And maybe I can... I can leave this in here and I can trust you because I can't do it, but I can trust you to do it. And I don't have to have that anxiety or that stress. Now, I'm not saying be irresponsible, okay? I'm not saying don't do anything. I'm not saying live in denial. I understand life's tough and things happen. Here's how it works for me. Three things, very simple. Here's the first one. I do what I can do. And that depends on the situation. I got that test coming up next week. What can I do? Study. I think God chuckles when we haven't studied and we pray that we pass an exam. It's like, yeah, let me know how that works for you. There's things we can do. So we do what we can. I do what I can do. Here's the second thing. I give God what I can't do. Because sometimes... I'm not the only one involved in this situation and I can't change somebody else. I can't make them do something. Sometimes it's a situation that I have this little thing that I can do. The rest is totally beyond my control. So I give God what I can't do. That's part of putting the card in the box. I give him what I can't do. And the third thing is very, very important. Trust God no matter what. Because it may turn out exactly like you'd like it. It may turn out the exact opposite of the way you like it doesn't matter. I do what I can. I give God what I can't do. And I trust God no matter what. Because here's what I know. God is good. It says it over and over and over and over in the Bible. God is good. It also says He is for us. And I trust that He is good and that He is for us. Imagine having a heart of peace. Imagine having, regardless of circumstance, a life of joy, peace of mind, trusting in God. Some of you are like, yeah, that sounds great. You know what? It's possible. It's a choice. And only you can make that choice. If your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? If not, it's time for a change. Because if you don't control what you think, you will never control what you do. 
and you'll come back in five years and nothing will be different, it will be worse. The choice can be made today to move in the right direction. We identify the truth. We figure out, here's what I'm worried about. Here's what I'm anxious about. Here's the stronghold. Remember, the stronghold is the prison that keeps us in prison because of the deception. That's why we have the bars here to remind us of that. But we don't have to stay there. We, We figure out what that stronghold is for us, and then we identify the truth that we find in God's Word. Because it's true and it never changes. And we write it. Write it out. We think it. We confess it out loud. We, we figure it out. We identify it. We write it. We think it. We confess it. And we keep doing that until we believe it. Because it is true. What we do is, is we are declaring what's true about us. By writing it, thinking, confessing it, believing it. If you're a follower of Jesus... If you've already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, I would like to declare some things over you. I know that some of you who are office fans, all you can hear is Michael Scott walking into the office saying, I declare bankruptcy. And they all look at him and say, that, it does, you can't just say that. And he said, I didn't say it. I declared it. <laughs> That's not what we're doing here. Here's what I want to do. I want to make these declarations over you because if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what's true about you. You are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of this world. You have divine power to demolish strongholds. Worry is not your master. You trust in God, His peace guards your hearts, guards your minds, guards your soul. In Christ Jesus. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to an addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. That's what's true about you. Because see, you can't control what happens to you. But you can control how you frame it. That's what we talked about. We are not interpreting God through our circumstances. We're interpreting our circumstances through the goodness of God. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of this world. The weapons we fight with, the spirit in us, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We get that from the truth. This is the sword of the spirit. This is our weapon to demolish every pretension that sets itself up against truth. So what we do is we cover everything in prayer. Everything. And we say, I'm not going to be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer, by praying, by petition, by requesting of God, by presenting those requests to God, the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard my heart, my mind, my soul in Christ Jesus. And we say, you know what? I am not believing the lie anymore. I'm believing the truth. And we do that by saying the truth, by living the truth, by getting the truth in us, by meditating on the truth, by knowing that the God's word is truth. That's what's going to change us. That's what's going to rewire us. That's what's going to renew our minds. Are you with me? You may be here and you don't know the truth. 
Because the truth is not just facts. The truth is Jesus. We started off saying the reason for everything is Jesus. He is my everything. For me to live is Christ. You might know about him, but Jesus claimed to be the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you don't know the truth, you don't have the power in you to fight these things that you're trying to fight. Maybe you'd like those things that we just said to be true about you too. They can today. You might have walked in here without a relationship with God, just knowing about religion or church or rules or regulations. You can walk out of here with a relationship with the God who when you come into a relationship with him, he said, I will fill your heart and mind. I will guard your heart and mind with peace. I will help renew your mind, change the way you think. And that comes from a relationship with Jesus. Saying, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that when he died on the cross, he died to pay for sin because the wages of sin is death. And I believe he did that for me. You say that to him in in your own words, in the quietness of your heart. Jesus, I want that. I want that power. You said that I can have the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead alive in my life. So I don't understand it all, but I'm going to ask you today to come into my heart and life. I'm turning from that sin. I'm turning to Jesus today. I don't understand all this, but I trust you and I believe you. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That changes everything because the Bible says when we believe and receive him in John 1.12, we become children of God. Before that moment, you're not. You can become a child of God today and have this power. I'd like you to bow your heads. Close your eyes as we get ready to close in prayer. I know, Father, that there are, there are many people here that have um, the same stresses and anxieties that we've talked about, and they've spent their lives with anxiety. They've spent their lives worrying about things. They've spent their lives um, pre-programming in a negative, critical way. And we don't want to have those sinful thoughts anymore. We want to have our minds renewed. We want the Spirit to control our hearts and minds so that we can have that peace that passes all understanding. So Father, anybody here who's never stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, my prayer is that today they would say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but today I give as much of my life as I understand to as much of you as I understand today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You were buried. Three days later, you rose from the grave. You walked among us until you ascended into heaven and you're coming back someday. And I give my life to you today. I'm asking you to come into my life, to take control of my life, to be the Lord of my life to help renew my mind, to change the way I think, to reprogram my brain so that my default is not negative. We know that when we ask, believing that he will answer. And Father, for anybody who's already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, I pray that today would be the day that we begin giving it all to you knowing that we don't have to have those negative, critical, comparison um, thoughts that, that always take us down the wrong path, that we can, we can be on the path that leads to life. We thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song.
I have grandkids now, and they're the most amazing thing ever. And this has happened with my grandkids, but it happened with my kids too. And I will never forget one of my kids putting his head on my chest. We were watching TV or something. And he says, he says, Daddy, I can hear your heartbeat. I want to hear my father's heartbeat. There's only one way. You have to be close. So if you're not close to him, today's your day. If you'd like to meet Jesus... You don't have that relationship with him. You'd like someone to pray with you. Make your way to that uh, room just before you go out there. There'll be somebody there that will meet you there and pray with you. If you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one. Um, and if you are interested in a couple weeks ago, week two, we mentioned those declarations that, that are true from God's word. We have six pages of those to get you started, to get you thinking about, this is what my stronghold is. This needs to be my declaration. Six pages of those. Go to week two online for our sermon page and download the the outline and it has those and if you say I have no idea what you just said or what that meant we printed some out in the back (laughs) grab them at the welcome desk remember to sign the list if you're a member let's pray Father thank you so much for your love for us I thank you that with the power of your spirit, we can renew our minds. We can change the way we think. We can rewire our brains and, and pre-program it in a way that would honor you, that would give us that life and peace that we're looking for. And that anybody who doesn't know you would today in simple faith turn to you, become a child of the king today, and experience your presence and your power in their life. We thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.